Hello everybody and you're welcome to the programme this morning. It's Oliver Callan here and it's a day in which we find ourselves bereft over Sinead O'Connor's passing at the age of just 56 and the loss of that outrageous talent, that voice of hers that sang out beauty, protest, love, prayer, rage certainly, hope, the mischief in there and the longing. We didn't know her, but we know that she knew us and uh, what it meant to be of this country, of the religion that once smothered us and of the dark history that swirls about us here and does still. And I can only speak to you as a lifelong fan with you this morning. I've no more personal connection to her than maybe a lot of you do. And I hope you join our conversation about her life and her incredible work today. She rightly gets amazing wide coverage all over the world. Um, But I suppose we know here in this country that Sinead O'Connor was far, far more than just a torn up photograph. She was an astounding, moving entertainer whose art had a much greater meaning and purpose. And if you haven't seen the documentary on her career, nothing compares. It only came out last year. I really, really recommend it. It's available on the streamers. And it was a hell of a portrait of her courage because she wasn't afraid, to be honest. This comes through in all the coverage today. She wasn't afraid to speak up and to risk the storm and risk being sorry at times. And she did everything in her career. She did it all herself. She ripped up the conventions of that um, closed industry and batted off what was expected of a beautiful woman in music and in society. And she certainly suffered for it. She was rejected for it. But she stayed, stayed true and she took a stand and she wrapped herself in so many causes long before it was profitable or popular to do that. Quite the opposite. Uh, in that documentary, um, she said, they tried to bury me, but what they didn't realise is that I was a seed. Absolutely true. Sinead was switched on to that uh, the whole world around her and she was aware of her own issues. She shared them with us. She had the means to do that because of that superlative voice and her unbelievable talent as a writer, a writer of songs and of prose. For those of us who read the memoirs, Rememberings, she was brilliant and funny. She was mysterious, certainly holy. She was furious often and she was full of purpose all the time. And I hope she knew how much love there was for her. 51551, that is the text. And from the North Text Studio and then your message to 80889 and share the memories. Because I think we all had our Sinead O'Connor friends that we got in touch with last night, straight away when the news landed. Uh, you know, You know those friends, the ones who really who really got it and got her. And I was on to two people in particular. And immediately last night, we were transported. We were wired into very, very specific recollections of moments in our lives where Sinead's songs just kind of hang there like uh, wee fairy lights in the past and keep our memories lit. And uh, one of my friends texted, I hope you don't mind me sharing a personal text, but I won't name her. And she says, I remember her coming along when I was a teenage teenager, ripping apart all the structures that we had never been allowed to question. She felt no need to conform or impress and the self-conscious protesters of today couldn't hold a candle to her. I think it's kind of fitting that there's a little little smidgen of, of rage as, as well this morning. Hundreds of thousands, millions of us watched her live and she continued to produce music. An album with David Holmes uh, was about to be released. Uh, I, I saw her perform live 
at the Lincoln Film premiere. It was 10 years ago, 2013. It was a charity fundraiser due for the Wicklow Hospice. It was a, a room full of celebrities. You know, you had Steven Spielberg in the room, Bono, Daniel Day-Lewis and Sally Field. But uh, uh, our friends, we only, had, we only had eyes for Sinead O'Connor. We were fan fanaticking hard as we could. And she did a couple of songs. She was in her clerical garb. You remember the mother... Bernadette, uh, which was the persona. Bernadette uh, being Sinead O'Connor's middle name. And she did her a couple of songs and then just her and the guitar and she left the stage. Never forget it. And she breathed really sternly, seriously through the crowd. Nobody was going to mess with her. It was a very much a kind of a, a, kind of a star's ability to make sure n- she was going to stop for absolutely nobody. One of, my, one of my friends, he was in full garb as a priest because he is a priest and he stepped towards her, the only one brave enough. And he said, Sinead, would you stop for a picture with a fellow cleric? And sure enough, she stopped suddenly and she roared laughing and she threw her arms around him. And I took the photograph. We had that that incredible moment with her. She was just, she was brilliant crack. There was the dimply grin of hers. And I think we all saw that divilment on display when she showed up in The Butcher Boy, Neil Jordan's great film version of Pat McCabe's novel, and uh, Sinead played the Virgin Mary, who appears to Francie Brady, smoking fags and gobbling up the screen, even as an apparition floating over a potato field. And I mean, how loaded was it to have her play that role in particular? It was still the 90s. The church was still very powerful here. And she was incredible in that role. And we know from the videos and performances that she could act and she could put truth into her turns on stage, uh, whether she was singing or acting and the coverage rightly is, is truly worldwide she's literally on the front page of every newspaper in the UK this morning um, the Metro UK there and um, they nothing compared to the headline in the British ver- version of the Daily Mirror and just a black and white photograph and a lot of the newspapers have just bled out the coverage as they say when they just cover their front pages as we have done in Ireland um, Sinead O'Connor she's in The Guardian The Daily Mail um, the, even the Daily Express and around the world, the front page of the Washington Post, a voice full of pride, pain and politics is the tribute there on the half of the front page of the Washington Post, the front page of the, the Lego newspaper. Lego in Rome in Italy has a tribute. Uh, Nothing per Sinead is the headline there in the social press. El Pais in Spain has a, a, a features on her, her death. It's front and centre. Adiosa una artista incomparable, which uh, doesn't require translation. And the eternal voice is what it says on the front of the political newspaper in Portugal. It's truly, truly worldwide. It's astonishing. The London Underground had a big, on the big sign, nothing compares to you and nobody ever will. Rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. And the years of her life and the New York Times have gone big and they have a beautiful photo essay of her life in pictures starting out in the in the 80s, 1985 was her first album and it goes right up to the present day. Uh, the Irish singer with an evocative voice and who cast a powerful silhouette on stage. And um, just there's gorgeous tributes. The Irish Examiner is full page of her as well. A child of Ireland, our girl, Sinead, our beloved friend. And it, it's important to to point out that aside from uh, the music and everything, that her, her, her anger was front and centre. Page three, the Irish Times this morning, Ula Mullally. Quiet and loud, brilliant and bashful, the singer had an utterly unique 
aura, she says. And uh, Una points out that Sinead spoke out about things people did not want to hear said. Women's reproductive rights, the AIDS crisis, racism within the music industry, American jingoism. She could have made things easier for herself, but that would not have been a truthful life. She never sold out. She rejected fame when it kept coming for her, defying everything that listened with a sheen of inauthenticity, be that the Grammys, the Vatican, the music industry uh, itself, and any conservative context fearful of her wide gaze, one that stared with innocence and revolution. I think that's beautifully, beautifully put. 51551 is our text this morning as ever. A beautiful legend, same age as myself, RIP Sinead, simple message. Uh, Sinead Bernadette, a voice from heaven, but she gave the hypocrites hell, says Bob. Uh, Oliver, I've read Sinead O'Connor's book Rememberings twice and in time we'll read it again. An honest memoir about her life in a dreadful Ireland best forgotten. I was devastated and saddened at the news of this lovely lady's death. May this wonderful, talented and beautiful lady rest in peace, says Brian in County Donegal. Yes, and and, um, I was reading the Will Hodgkinson, who met her many times, he's the chief rock and pop critic of the London Times. And this morning he said, um, the sadness is that she never got to an age to look back and reflect on what she'd achieved, not just musically, but through a life lived entirely according to her beliefs. When you're successful in music, this is a quote from her, when you're successful in the music industry, you pay with your life, O'Connor told me, after I asked her what writing her memoir had taught her. It's impossible to say, he goes on, uh, whether her life would have been better, lived away from the spotlight. But what we have left is her legacy and the example of someone who stood up for what she believed in, whatever the consequences. Uh, we have a beautiful email as well this morning, uh, remembering Sinead. And uh, I th- I'll just read it. It's, it speaks for itself. Oliver, people think if you grew up in a small town in Ireland, you were sheltered. But if you were a teenager with access to music, you made your own little world of misfits and mates. We were lucky we had a record shop in the next town. After we bought tapes and a magazine between us, we'd head back to one girl's house whose mam was okay with us hanging around. She'd an older sister who helped us decide what was cool. She made us cups of Maxwell House coffee. It was very classy. She was the person who first played Sinead O'Connor to us. That voice. Minds blown. She dressed the way we wished we could if we were let. Then, to hear her speak, she's Irish. She's like us. Next level obsession. I was too young for gigs then, but on a Monday night, I'd be at home doing my homework, waiting for top 30 hits to start. When her face appeared and she sang, Nothing compares to you, the fights between me and my sister would stop. We would agree on one thing. She was unreal. She was the future. If she was on the late late with Gay, I noticed how my mam spoke about her. Nearly protective. She wouldn't let a bad word be said. Later she told me she saw how other mams spoke about her bad influence. She was worried for us as we got older and expressed ourselves in our docks and our DIY haircuts and style. Sinead was herself, but she wasn't always loved for it. I got to see her live many t- live many times over the years. There was never a gig that she did not rage in one way or another. Her energy was gentle and fierce all at once. She was a force of nature. You would see some of the same faces getting older around you and we hoped we would get to see her grow old too. Last night, our friends got together, one or two, the same pals from those same old days. We sang our songs, we cried. We regaled my teenage daughter with stories of her escapades, some of them. Sinead, I can't believe you're gone. Thank you for all you did. Love, Katrina. Uh, It's a beautiful, beautifully written email. 
And uh, thank you, Katrina, for sending that in. And people are, are sharing their memories. And it is, it just brings you, there's something about her her voice. And just a couple of months ago, I remember driving the car somewhere and uh, that, that foggy, vu, foggy Jew version she did with the Chieftains came on. I had to pull in the car and I was on to my sister and we started texting links to Sinead O'Connor's songs. It's just wherever you were, it, it, it brought you somewhere. And we never quite understood what it did to us, and um, but 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 it but it did. Now I want to go to the phones. Joe Falvey is on the line this morning, uh, remembering Sinead as well. Joe, uh, good morning to you, Joe. You were one of Sinead O'Connor's uh, former teachers, isn't that right? Down in Waterford. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, I was uh, spent my career teaching in uh, Newtown School, uh, a, a, a Quaker school, but yeah. inter- interdenominational. I spent thirty-seven years there. And I mean, Sinead came in 1983. Mm-hmm. She was there until 1985. And during that uh, period, uh, we've had a, a very interesting insight into Sinead there. And that was the young lady, young woman, teenager um, that I met in the mid-80s. She uh, radiated uh, beauty in spirit. Uh, as well in features, uh, um, and the you know the two of us um, struck it off. I as teacher by the nature of a, a co-ed boarding school, uh, um, the um, you know the the um, teachers would be there mm-hmm. in the evening at um, uh, at downtime, supervising meals, supervising prep. So uh, I got to know Sinead then uh, through her. Um, she was in my class. And yes, and you really, you hit to, it off, Joe. To deal with. But uh, I began to, she be, I began to come across her increasingly with her guitar uh-huh. as a 16-year-old, you know, playing yeah. on footsteps or um, a, a bench around the school. And it went on from there. And you noticed her talent straight away when she was strumming guitar. Oh, absolutely. You went up to her. Yes, yeah, she was there, kind of just strumming with her, um, with her friends. And I remember our first conversation outside of class, uh, kind of saying, um, "Whose song is that? I don't recognise it." And she said, "That's mine. I wrote it." And then she um, played other um, stuff for me. And what struck me. Day one, day two, day three, day a hundred was for a sixteen, seventeen-year-old writing the way she was writing, mm. the insightful, the maturity, um, the um, the passion. You know, yeah. there was something uh, um, um, special about her, and um, I was- said to her. Um, uh, uh, would you be interested in playing outside school, you know, to uh, sort of play to an audience? And in Waterford, uh, very old, it's closed now, unfortunately, hopefully it'll open again. Yeah. A, a pub that was a very old pub in Waterford called T&H Doolins. And it was a centre for, you know, the music heads and uh, trad heads. Um, Liam Clancy owns the pub at one stage. So there was a, a folk and arts club there and I knew some of the guys. And I said, look, uh, there's a young one up in school. She needs, I, I think she's very talented. Would you give her a slot? Yeah. 
and they said, uh, no problem. If you think she's good, fair enough. So I got permission uh, for her to, you know, to miss evening study, and I brought her down to um, teen H's. Teen and the and she's only 16 or 17 at this stage, the story Joe, himself since. The main act that night was Dominic Mulvaney. I think he's... Uh, he's uh, he's a Greystones um, bass folk singer. And anyway... Um, um, Sinead went up uh, to do her th- uh, uh, to begin. I was sitting at the counter with um, 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 Dominic Mulvaney and other people looking at their pints, this young one, 16-year-old. And then she started. It was the most memorable moments in my life. Wow. Everybody turned around. I said, what in the name of God is that the power from this young slim uh, girl mm. uh, and it was a shattering moment uh, she I had heard her you know singing gently around the school this was power yeah uh, and um, Dominic Balvani the main act that night sitting <laughs> alongside me turned around and said how the F am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> well, he'd no hope. He'd no hope against yeah. that. Uh, and uh, uh, she became the main act for the, uh, the, uh, the night. It was incredible. Yeah. And um, um, D- D- Dominic has got uh, many good nights out of that because he I'd has say. told yeah, that yeah. story yeah. Uh, himself. Well, it's a fantastic but, story, uh, Joe. And, so uh, that was that... Um, uh, m- moment, but again, uh, that night and other occasions, it was the uh, sophistication, the mm. maturity of the level of lyrics she was writing and singing yeah. with yeah. an incredible belief and passion. So it was there from the very beginning. She was only 16 or 17 uh, at that stage, Joe. that was an amazing moment that will always live with me. Yeah, Joe, she was only 16 or 17 at that stage. Did you follow her yes. then over the years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she approached me then. She wanted to enter a song in a competition. You know, we've talked a lot and, uh, uh, and at one stage, um, uh, to, to, um, I brought her... Um, she wanted to get um, some music scripted. And I said, the way to do it nowadays is to make a demo. So there was friends of mine had a recording studio, Brian O'Reilly, Loudest Whisper. He had a studio in Floyd. So I brought her and another pupil, Jeremy Maber. Mm-hmm. And I brought the, the, the two of them up to him yeah. in Fiona's studio for three hours. And that was another eye-opener. We were there three hours. My brother came up from Cork to do keyboards. And uh, your man that was in the music business, Brian O'Reilly, and has written musicals and all that kind of stuff. And here Sinead, the 16, 17-year-old, was telling him I, she had three songs selected. And uh, she says uh, she, was act, she was acting producer. She had it all thought out. Yeah. Can I double track this? Can I have this effect? Can I have that effect? Mm-hmm. We were mesmerized. Uh, whatever about me, the semi-amateur or our total amateur, <laughs> but Brian O'Reilly was gobsmacked. Uh, you still have our first demo, I believe, Joe. And then from that recording, um, 
the on the old um, spool tape uh, that was done, and Brian on the night. Uh, gave us two cassette copies of that, uh, plus the original master tape. Now, I still have it. I'm sitting here at home with that original master tape in my hand, which Sinead gave me when she was leaving school. She says, uh, that's for you. She left her hand. Also, when she was leaving school, she gave me a, a, a collection of William Butler Yeats, The Secret Rose and other... Um, uh, stories um, as a gift really? uh, to Joseph for being so helpful with lots of love, um, Sinead. Wow. So off she went uh, and uh, uh, with that cassette tape uh, um, and uh, demo and she used that uh, to get entrees to uh, a recording company who said, wow, uh, this girl has worked Traveling, they traveled over from Ireland, you know, to hear her, yeah, uh, and so on. So, um, the other fine because uh, I have to go shortly, sure, sure, um, sure. Then I heard nothing for about uh, a, a year and a half, yeah. I knew she was in London, yes, and then the postman arrived one day mm-hmm. with her first album, um, the, the Lion, Lion and, and the, the Cobra. Cobra, yeah. Yeah, and she's, uh, um, she sent that, that to me, to Joe. I have it in my hands, to Joe, with many thanks. Love, Sinead, and her, and her phone number. So we stayed uh, in contact, mm. you know, for the... Uh, you know, for the beginning years, and then every so often over subsequent years, she'd ring me up and she'd say, "Look, so and so is doing a biography. Are you happy? Are you happy to be interviewed?" <sighs> so, uh, um, uh, she was a very special person uh, uh, in uh, my life, yeah. uh, having uh, met her, and we struck up this rapport between. Now she left school before her leaving. Yes. And I sat down with her as her teacher, as I, as one of her teachers, and I said, "Look, Sinead, it's only another two months to go for leaving, sir. Um, why don't you see it through? Because uh, increasingly, she was not coming back after the weekends when she go home to Dublin for the weekend." Yeah. And she said, look, the leaving search is irrelevant to me. Music is going to be my life, uh, whatever. Uh, but I said, can't you do it anyway? And it can still be your life. No. And uh, she says, I emotionally have moved on. Yeah. I uh, uh, want to devote my life uh, to music. It was all about music. What she, she did with her ups and downs. But uh, at the speaker that was on before me, uh, the same, uh, this powerful this powerful spirit. Uh, it was, uh, 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 she was so pure, she was, uh, uh, um, she was so genuine and so real. Mm. There was no compromising. No. Uh, 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 and I was always uh, proud of her and I was very pleased that when she did her biography, uh, I'm the only teacher she mentioned yeah, in her right. biography. It, so, it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, and thank you so much, uh, Joe, for, for sharing. To the end, 
we stayed loyal to each other. Oh, you did. And it's so beautifully told at the connection that you had and how important she was in your life. And we can we know how important you, Joe Falvey, were in her life. And she did indeed mention uh, Joe Falvey in the memoir. She's the only teacher from that time. And she mentioned him again on social media. And um, because she, she never looked back when she went from school and they stayed in touch. And it's beautiful. I know we have to let Joe go there in Waterford, but Newtown School in Waterford um, is where he was the former teacher in the 80s. And there's another message coming in. Uh, Oliver, my mum Lillian Russell taught Sinead music at the same school like Joe Falvey. My mum always said she was very, very talented. May she rest in peace. Her untimely death is so terribly sad says Sandra Graham. We're getting loads and loads of messages. I'll, I'll just get to one before we um, before we have to take a quick break. A, a dark cloud hangs over Ireland this late July morning. Wildly eccentric, some would say, but courageous and a truly remarkable talent. Her golden, evocative, interpretive voice beguile us all. Just heard Lay Your Head Down from 2001 with the Orti Concert Orchestra. And I urge anyone who hasn't heard it to play it. It evokes all that was best in her. Uh, says John. God help us. Sinead O'Connor, born in 1966 and a part of her story has come to an end, but not the music, uh, never the music. Uh, this is from the, the late 90s. Again, it was the end credits of In the Name of the Father, the Jim J- Sheridan story, You Made Me the Thief of My Heart. 51551 is the text this morning. You made me And we've had some lovely messages coming in. Growing up along the border in the 70s and the 80s, I was brought back this morning to sitting in a cinema in Enniskillen watching the groundbreaking In the Name of the Father and hearing Sinead sing that song, You Made Me a Thief of Your Heart. You could have heard a pin drop. The atmosphere was electric. Her voice and songs were the backing track of our teenage years, but beyond that, her music framed so many pivotal moments of those defining years. It was, it was 1993 the, on the soundtrack uh, to the, In the Name of the Father, and the song was written by Bono, Gavin Friday and Morris Caesar. And 1993, that was just a year after uh, the tearing up of the photograph of the Pope, which really defined her, her time, particularly in America, and the unbelievable back. It's hard to imagine the backlash looking back now that she experienced in uh, late 1992 and into the following years. Uh, people literally steamrolling her, her music on the streets of New York, Joe Pesci threatening violence against her on his own show. She's being uh, made fun of by Madonna and Frank Sinatra and the tabloid press there and in the UK were absolutely savage. The music video, incidentally, for the song was directed by Jim Sheridan as well. Uh, some other message, she had an extraordinary voice, Sinead. It was absolutely angelic and her songs brought us through the milestones in our lives. I remember her for that. An extraordinary gift, uh, says Jean. 51551, that's the text. We'll be back after this. Now, welcome back. I want to go to the phones again. Paddy Cullivan, the musician, is on the line. He was the front man of the Late Late Show house band uh, for years, the Camembert Quartet and many things. Good morning to you, Paddy. Morning, Oliver. You, you worked with Sinead O'Connor many, many times, Paddy, uh, and she had great respect for, for her fellow musicians. She did. She loved the Camembert Quartet. She always asked for us when she was doing, a sh- you know, doing a, an appearance on TV. Uh, she got on great with me and Doc and Jim Sheridan, Ray McCann, Cormac Moore, Glenn, our Norwegian guitarist. 
she used to boss us around, uh, but she was brilliantly, if I can say she was vulnerable at the same time as being of assertive. Course, she, of course, yeah. she would turn around and say, you know, was that okay? And I go, you're a genius, Sinead, you're absolutely fine, don't worry. Mm-hmm. A world superstar. And that was one of the great appealing things about her was that she was so concerned with the minutiae of, of getting the music done. I, and she was very passionate about her skill, as her vocal. Remember, everybody has a kind of a unique voice today, or that's what they're looking for. When mm-hmm. Sinead's voice came out in 87, no one had heard anything like this before. The closest I could think would be Kate Bush, you know, who'd just come up with, you know, the whole um, running up that hill and all that stuff yeah. and Hounds of Love. And, and when her debut came out, it just blew everybody away. And I bizarrely met her. I was growing up on North Ridge Orde Street and I was attending Frank Merriman's bel canto classes across the road. She was getting bel canto operatic singing lessons at the same time. So was Christy <laughs> Dignam. So all these... Mad people of 1980s Dublin were all getting their singing lessons in the one place with Frank Merriman. But that just showed how dedicated she was. She still wasn't, you know, f- she, she still wanted to train herself and to, to train her art. She thought and she still needed lessons. all the way through her yeah. career. She was fastidious musically, you know what I mean? And so whenever she'd appear with us, uh, she would have this amazing uh, dedication to getting it all done and getting it done right. So she wasn't someone who sauntered in with no rehearsal. She re- dedicated herself to rehearsals and all of that. Well, no, I mean, you can't go into RT without rehearsing something to death anyway. So uh, what would happen was we did a great show with her called For One Night Only, presented by the great Gay Byrne. Uh, it was a whole hour-long music show dedicated to her. I hope that RT will re-show that because it was great. Yeah. And it was, I think it was 2014, we got to play things like The Wolf Is Getting Married. Yes, gorgeous um, song. And other brilliant songs by her. And the funny thing about this was, you know, Sinead's original music, when Lion and the Cobra came out, the songs were so incredible. Troy, Jerusalem, as well as Mandinka, the hit. It's almost, you know, Nothing Compares to You is almost an aberration in her career. It's mm. a cover version. It was a massive worldwide hit. But in fact, she was more like a Dublin indie singer and, and would have continued and did continue in that vein. And her own songs were incredible. And we got to sing six of them with her. And um, she was incredibly funny as well, Oliver. I have to say this. She cool. was immensely funny. Um, we would be rehearsing we were rehearsing Nothing Compares to You. You usually had to do three band rehearsals, three camera rehearsals, and then do the actual live take. Yeah. So she was being driven mad doing this and all of this. And of course, she was singing her heart out for every take. She'd start changing the lyrics, you know? <laughs> so we'd be standing around. She'd change it to Nothing Compares to Pooh and then improvise an entire lyric based on that for the entire song till we were all cracking up. Then the next take, we were going, okay, calm down, everybody. Let's do it right this time. And then she'd say, Nothing Compares to Two. So I'll leave it up to your imagination what she was singing about. But it was, it was just, she was a brilliant, funny, assertive, vulnerable person in every kind of way. And that unique voice, it was incredible. And that show, we kind of played with her over the years on the late, late, Eight Good Reasons, another amazing song. Uh, but the one you were talking about, we were at the Lincoln premiere in 2013, oh, yes. where she just yeah. got up and just jammed with the band and it was incredible. And because she had a a strange relationship with that song that made her famous, particularly outside of Ireland, Nothing Compares to You. And she hadn't sung it in a a long time. This is 2013 uh, and you managed to coax her into singing it again. I think Krista Berg was there as well. Yes. But you know something, Sinead always had a keen eye. I mean, if you listen even to No No Man's Woman, all these great songs from later on, um, A Good Reason specifically, she was a great pop songwriter in her own right, apart from Nothing Compares to You. So she never stopped singing that song. She always knew that that's where the bread was buttered and that's what mm-hmm. people wanted to hear. But I think what's amazing, uh, uh, people should explore all of her other work. Yes. Because it really is amazing. And I mean, like in 1980s Dublin, you know, we were listening to, we had very Catholic taste. We listened to Kate Bush and Guns N' Roses. And it came, you know, at the Lion and the Cobra and it really just blew our minds. And then 
I, I do not want what I have not got, which was just, it just blasted her. Seven million copies, worldwide star and all the rest of it. But still very concerned with politics, history and all the rest of it. A great inspiration to people, you know, not to keep their mouth shut. And actually, the amazing thing about Sinead was she was right about the church. She was right about everything at the time. I would point more specifically, she was fascinated with history too. At one point, she was on the late, late and giving out about this kind of state and academic besmirchment of the 1916 hero. She, she really was not happy about this kind of revisionist history. Yeah. And, you know, she brilliantly wrote a song on Universal Mother called Famine, which I loved because mm-hmm. uh, the amazing thing was, you know, there are whole academic departments for the last 150 years dedicated to saying that the famine was a natural disaster and the poor old British government just didn't know what to do. <laughs> and she just put it so brilliantly. She said... Um, I want to talk about the famine, the fact there never really was one. There was no famine. Irish people were only allowed to eat potatoes. All of the other food, meat, fish, vegetables, were shipped out of the country under armed guard to England while the Irish people starved. And she, so she knew that she, um, she had the attention of the world and she wanted them to know this. Isn't that, isn't that the kind of... And she wasn't going to let anyone say you can't say this uh, in a record. Exactly, but she was very re- well read. And I mean, you know, very Republican in her own way, you know, very much into peace and Gandhi and non-violent revolution. Um, and then, you know, they gave us money to not teach our children Irish, and so we lost our history. And she was very passionate about bringing that back, educating people through her music and stuff like that. And so her music, you know, you have the beauty of her music as a, as a mother, as an emotional, spiritual person, um, even her song, her lyrics about the music business, you know, the business gets in the way of her enjoying the music. Mm. But she really was passionate about history and educating people and, and rebel music and stuff like that. So I thought... I. I you know, she really was an all-rounder, but amazing to be such a commercial being who, who could then also go, great, I've made it. Now mm. let's make some interesting music again. She and didn't just rest on her laurels, yeah, you know what I mean? incredible. And, and the, she, she um, put her money where her mouth is, as you said. There's a lovely message in here saying, I used to work in a special school for travellers, St. Thomas's in Clonshock in Dublin, which is now closed. Our bus broke down and all the travellers wrote to the celebrities asking for money to buy a new second-hand bus. Sinead was the only one to reply. She sold a grand piano and the money more than paid for the bus and the leftover was used for trips. So respect and gratitude from Paul. And these are all the quiet things that she was doing uh, while get, getting about her business, Paddy, and she was a huge star, but um, her quiet intellect and her passion was just there all the time. It was, and I, was, I, I find it interesting because she'd pop into the studio and we'd all greet each other like old friends, and then she'd want to know about like the water charges. She'd want to know about all that stuff. She was wow. not in an ivory tower at all. She mm. was someone who was very much involved in the day-to-day minutiae of what was going on in Ireland. You know, um, I even got an email by mistake on her in February. She sent some detailed financial stuff to some guy called Paddy and it came to me and I said, I'm so sorry, Sinead, I think you've sent it to the wrong person. And she, she just said to me, that's great. So you're still not an RTE. And um, <laughs> she was very funny with that kind of turn of phrase. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, okay. And th- th- there was a great kind of cynicism to her as well as a kind of a seriousness. Mm. But there was always a little twinkle in the eye and kind of a sarcasm going on. Yeah. But what, what she was... You know, her interest in what was going on day to day was amazing. She was she was very much the Southside girl from Dublin who was just had accidentally had this massive number one hit and sold 10 million records and then just got back to being an indie Dublin rock singer who was just could sing anything as well. I mean, I, I have to point out the covers album, which a lot of people blame for her career kind of dipping slightly because she didn't, you know, follow mm. up Nothing Compares to You with another big original album. She did, a, of course, Universal Mother was a masterpiece. Yeah, and but she kept going, Paddy, because I actually want to play a track uh, of her later stuff. It was from her ninth album. You mentioned it there, The Wolf is Getting Married. And uh, she said she heard uh, the phrase from a taxi driver 
which is taken from a, an Arab expression for a break in the clouds. The wolf smiles as he's on his way to the wedding. Uh, it was released 10 years ago, 20, 2012, over 10 years ago. And it's the first single from her ninth album. The wolf is getting married. Paddy, thanks a million. Thanks so much, Oliver. 51551, five, that's our text. And uh, here, let's let, let Sinead. Just gorgeous, gorgeous work. The Wolf is Getting Married and that was from uh, the album How About I Be Me and You Be You. I mean, she had such great uh, titles on our albums. Am I Not Your Girl? I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. I'm Not Bossy, I'm The Boss. That was in 2014. And there are lovely messages. We had that one of the kind of quiet um, help and support that she was giving people and charities. And there's a lovely Rosa Gilbert on, on Twitter was uh, pointing out that Sinead O'Connor was involved with the London Irish Women's Centre while living in London. London. She opened their October 1998 conference on Irish women and mental health. She said, I'm not responsible for what happened to me in Ireland, so I don't need to feel ashamed uh, to speak about it. And the mischievous um, streak as well is pointed out. Dr. James Bailey says, Sinead Carter was brilliant, smart and courageous as feck. I hope she's remembered for her sense of humour too. And he shares um, photographs which are from her, her memoirs. And uh, he points out here, here she is attending an anti-Sinead O'Connor demonstration in disguise. <laughs> truly one of a kind. And you want to see these pictures because there was truly an anti-Sinead O'Connor movement after uh, what she had done with the, the picture of the Pope and so on. And uh, so she thought for a bit of a lark that she, she'd put herself in disguise and attend a protest against herself, which I think really captures the, the sense of humour that she had. Uh, lots of messages coming through. 51551. Um, terrible, terrible, heartbreaking news of a true, iconic, strong woman in the late, in the late, the late Sinead O'Connor. I grew up listening to the powerful voice that echoed through my heart. Very, very sad. My condolences go out to her family and her home of Ireland. Nothing compares to you, Sinead. And that's from Rodney uh, from Tasmania in Australia. And uh, Sinead was Ireland's daughter. We loved her so, so much. Palpable grief here and beyond. I hope she knew how much she was loved, says Veronica. 51551. That's the text. You're very welcome back. Thank you all very much for your messages. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, I had to read it several times to totally take it in. Just devastating. My heart is sore this morning. A wonderful singer, but a kind and honest woman whose compassion and understanding for others was beyond admirable. Uh, somebody else says, I am the same age as Sinead. I was living in London in 1989. I remember feeling relieved that Sinead was singing and speaking about the Ireland that I grew up in. I was so very proud of her. Uh, good morning. I'm treasuring my memory of being in the audience of The Late Late Show, hosted by Ryan, when Sinead performed Nothing Compares to You with the RTE Orchestra in September 2019. And there's lots of people sharing this online overnight because she just does an incredible performance. And there's a, uh, there's a little smile at the end of the performance that, that we all know so well. The hair stood on the back of my neck, says this texter's Patricia. Unforgettable moment. May she rest in peace. Thanks, Patricia, for, for sharing that with us. Um, uh, in the 1980s, while travelling in Asia, I had three tapes of Sinead's, one of which was hers and which wore out 
Troy epitomises her, in my opinion. Rest now, Sinead, you beautiful soul. It's how sad, says Michelle. And thank you for that message. I remember being in the seminary in Maynooth in the early 1990s. We were advised to boycott her music. It was an unwritten rule. She didn't impress some of the uh, deans of discipline. Uh, times have changed. No doubt they have. Um, absolutely. And there's some nice messages coming through. And we learned that last night in the, the Gate Theatre, Fun Home is the play uh, that's currently out in the Gate Theatre in Dublin and it runs till the end of August. And the end of last night's performance, they paid their respects to Sinead. And in a statement, they said, we have a tradition in Irish theatre that when a performer passes away, we join together. We do this across Ireland on stages all over the country. We offer them our final applause to thank them for their work and they liked that they shared with us. So on the rainy summer night they, they gathered and there was a standing ovation and loud applause in the Gay Theatre in Dublin. That's such a beautiful tribute, uh, particularly from the stage, which he would have been uh, very, very proud of. Now we have to take another break, so we'll be back after this. I'm just going to go to an email now. Um, Sinead O'Connor, RIP, the terrible, sad, shocked news which emerged last night has rightly brought widespread universal uh, commentary and tributes. None of us have the right to judge any individual. And while Sinead lived an extraordinary life, which drew all sorts of comments, she possessed a magnificent, outstanding talent. Her close friends loved her dearly and spoke so poignantly of her steadfast principles, which at times were detrimental to her career. But she was prepared to forego her popularity, which would also damage her financially in order to maintain what she believed to be her right to say and do what she did. Her musical legacy will live long after her demise and I hope she will be remembered for her wonderful talent and the legacy she has left as a composer and the exceptional singer she was. And uh, there's no doubt about that, uh, to be honest. Uh, Oliver, I've worked in and out of, uh, I've worked in an out of hours doctors and Sinead would ring in and see people who were down on their luck in Bray when she lived there. I would ask for a doctor for them to pay for their doctor. She would ask the doctor so she could pay for the doctor and pay for a hotel room. Uh, and this happened a fair few times. It was so, so nice to deal with. She was very, very down to earth and a very humane um, lady. There are some beautiful tributes and none more so from her fellow artists around the world. You'll remember that uh, Massive Attack uh, who are huge fans of Sinead O'Connor and they had been trying to work with Sinead O'Connor uh, since the 1990s uh, but they finally came together in 2003 and um, she, she performed a song What Your Soul Sings and they put out a statement last night devastated. How do you eulogise someone that you never knew well but were blessed to have the honour of working with? Honestly, to bear witness to her voice intimately in the studio. On the road, every single person stopped, dropped their tools during the sound check. The fire in her eyes made you understand that her activism was a soulful reflex and not a political gesture. And they finish with the quote from uh, What Your Soul Sings, which is saying, don't be afraid, open your mouth to say what your soul sings to you. So really heartfelt tributes. And I think the best place to finish this morning is What Your Soul Sings with Sinead O'Connor. Take care, the child of Ireland, our friend. Thank you for everything, Sinead.